Welcome to the Podcast at the Hill. You're about to hear a message from our guest speaker, Kip Box, entitled, When the Preacher Got Saved. If he were around in 2018, we would call him a terrorist. Public enemy number one. With the zeal of a fanatic, Saul of Tarsus devoted himself to stopping this new faith. In chapter 8 of Acts, the brutal execution of Stephen did not satisfy Saul's hatred of Jesus' disciples. He was still on a rampage, breathing out threats and murder. His goal, the execution of all Jewish believers in Jesus. Like a bounty hunter, he sought authority from the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem to travel to Damascus to arrest believers and bring them to Jerusalem for trial. Saul was looking for members, the Bible said, of the way. That term, the way there, meant those who had a distinctive moral life, a distinctive spiritual life. How many of you today are glad to be in the way? You see, he was looking for those of the way. This intellectual giant Saul concluded that Jesus was a blasphemer and Christianity a cult. However, in chapter 9, Saul was about to meet a man. The conversion of Saul was no case for Philip. Saul was made of different stuff than the Ethiopian. Nor was it a case for the zealous Peter because Saul was no Cornelius. This conversion of Saul was undertaken by the Lord himself. And this seems to be in Acts chapter 9, Saul's first encounter with our Lord. Saul would testify in Acts 26 and 19 and call this the heavenly vision. He would never forget his heavenly vision of the Lord from heaven. You see, the meeting of Jesus is no ordinary event. Oh, thank God. Saul of Tarsus one moment was high and mighty. He had orders to bring in the church and persecute them. But the next moment, he's lying in the dust and he's trembling. You see, Saul was blinded by such a light that had never shone on earth and listening to the voice that angels adored. In a moment, a hardened sinner falls to the ground. He is astonished and he says, Lord... He asked two questions. I would say life's most important questions. He asked, who are you, Lord? And then he asked, 
Lord, what will you have me to do? These questions will determine a person's eternal destiny. We are privileged in this chapter to see the conversion of the world's greatest preacher. Everybody in the world is looking for an opportunity to change. The world wants people to be transformed educationally and socially. But I want to tell you today that the world cannot bring about real transformation. I, as a preacher of the gospel, in myself cannot bring about real life transformation. There is only one that can bring about real transformation, and that is Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Paul would write of this transformation in Ephesians 2 and 1 when he said, And you hath he quickened or made alive who was dead in sin. Yes, Saul, cruel, hostile, strong will, Saul, self-sufficient, independent, angry, Everything a bad individual would be, however, on the Damascus Road, something drastic, something divine happened to him. He got saved. I want to talk about that this morning. Two questions. Lord, who are you? Lord, who are you? First of all, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? He's unique in his person. Do you realize that Jesus explained the scriptures as no one ever before? He healed the sick. He forgave sins. He even raised the dead. Chuck Swindoll said of him, and I quote, Jesus was the greatest life of all, unique in his person. Have you ever thought about that Jesus in his birth was born of a virgin? He was God incarnate. He did not get here with the aid of a biological father. No, how could this be? I want to tell you how it could be. Mary said, how can this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel of the Lord said to her, that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of the Most High is going to come upon you. I want to tell you everything that this church fundamentally believes is because Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Thank God. May I tell you it's John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 it said, and the Word was made flesh. 
flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory of the Father as of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. It is Colossians 2, 9 that said, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It is the fact that God came down to earth through his Son, Jesus Christ, that he lived among us. He would walk among us. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit today in a time when there was a godless Caesar on the throne, in a time when there was oppression of the Jews. Emmanuel, God with us, came to this earth. Oh, we sing, oh, little town of Bethlehem. And yes, may I tell you that when Mary laid that babe in a manger, she laid God in a manger. He was the God-man. He was the one that on his mother's side was a baby, but on his father's side, he was the ancient of days. On his mother's side, he would get hungry, but on his father's side, he's the bread of life. On his mother's side, he'd get thirsty, but on his father's side, he was living water. On his mother's side, he would get tired, but on his daddy's side, he gave rest to the weary. Would you give him praise today? Hallelujah. And he was marvelous in his life. Have you ever thought about it? At 30 years of age, he would come down to the Jordan. And there he would ask the baptizer, baptize me. There he walks into the water. And John would baptize him. And he would come up out of the water. And the sweet spirit of God would descend on him like a dove. And the voice of the Father. Oh, and if you want a good reason to be Trinitarian, right here is one. The voice of the Father said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You have the son in the water, the Holy Spirit in the form of the dove, and the voice of the Father spoke and said, This is my beloved son. Don't miss what I'm about to say. Then Jesus would go to the wilderness. For 40 days he would be tempted, and he would be accused if you're the son of God. I've got a word for somebody today. Don't miss miss this. The accusation of the enemy is never greater than the affirmation of the Father. The enemy will accuse, but I've come by to tell you, if the Father has affirmed you, you know who you are today. He would go into the wilderness, and he would not sin. And the Bible said that he would return to Galilee full of the Holy Ghost. Let me preach a minute right there. You can have a battle with the enemy of your soul and you don't have to surrender who you are. You can walk right out of that valley, lift your hands and praise the Lord and still be full of the Holy Ghost.
And then he would start a ministry of three and a half years. Ooh, my God, I, I may preach an hour today. You don't have church tonight. He would start a ministry of three and a half years. And Ken Geyer, a great writer, said of him, his footsteps, his footsteps literally shook the world. Everywhere he went, lives were changed. Brother Wade Horton, who is my hero. Yes, I said Wade Horton was my hero. Deal with it if you don't like that. He was a holiness preacher and he was my hero. Brother Wade Horton preached a sermon that said Jesus was the master. And he was the master over disease. He was the master over demons. He was the master over disaster. And he was the master over death. I want to tell you that my Lord Jesus Christ he is a difference maker he is a way maker he is a burden bearer he is a load lifted he's my alpha he's my omega he's my beginning he's my end he is the bride in the morning star he is the lily of the valley he is the rose of Sharon he is heaven's spice sent down that brings a sweet smelling savor there is nobody like Jesus I wish somebody would praise Sister Becky I'm preaching another Sunday up in Mount Pleasant Michigan I'm preaching in about an all African American congregation and I got to preaching about Jesus and there was an African American older saint sitting on that second pew And I had my hand out and I said, can't nobody. And before I finished it, she grabbed it and said, do me like Jesus. And that old boy got on that piano and we started singing, can't nobody do me like Jesus. He healed my body and told me to run on home. I wish somebody would help me preach today. Who are you, Lord? You Unique in his person, marvelous in his life. And third, he is superlative in his name. What do you mean? He said, I am Jesus. Oh, I like that. The angel of the Lord told Joseph in Matthew 121, you're going to call this baby Jesus. For he shall save his people. From their sins. Oh, I realize it's 2018. I realize that I am in the day when I'm supposed to be politically correct. I'm in the day of relativism that says everything is truth as long as it's true for you. I am in the day of pluralism when the elitist of our world who are toting Louis Vuitton purses 
and driving Porsches are saying you're ignorant if you don't believe all roads lead to God. But may I tell you today, the Galilean said in 14 and 6 of John, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. When Peter and John were on trial for the healing of the lame man, Peter said in Acts 4 and 12, neither is there any salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given by men whereby we must be saved. I realize it's a pluralistic nation, but Paul said in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee must bow, hallelujah, and every tongue should confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. May I tell you, demons will not tremble at the name of Buddha. Demons will not tremble at the name of Muhammad. Demons will not tremble at the name of Hare Krishna. They will not tremble at the name of Joseph Smith or Sun Young Moon. You don't know why? Because those names cannot save. But at the name of Jesus, every demon in hell has to tremble. At the name of Jesus, every name must bow. Mm. Not only is he unique in his person, marvelous in his life, superlative in his name, but he's also saving in his mission. I'm Jesus. I save. Jesus didn't come to reform man, he didn't come to overthrow Rome. He didn't even come for us to have a better life. Now, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. No, he looked up in a tree and told a, Jer- told a Jericho crook, I'm come to seek and to save that which was lost. <laughs> Jesus saved Saul of Tarsus. He would tell a Jerusalem mob, I met him and he changed my life. He would tell a cold-hearted politician named Felix about him. And Felix would tremble. He would tell Agrippa about this heavenly vision. And King Agrippa said, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. May I tell you, he's a Savior. Somebody look over at your neighbor and say, he's a Savior. I said, he's a Savior today. Oh, I feel him today. I said, he's a Savior. I said, he's a Savior. And can I tell you today, I'm glad I'm saved. 33 years ago, yesterday, God baptized me in the Holy Ghost. And can I tell you, the church where I was at gave me orders and gave me my delivery notice to get to the church of God. And I got in the church of God and I remember saints would stand up. I can see them now as the saints of God stood up with their hair piled on their head, the women. And they would say, I'm glad I'm saved, sanctified and filled with heaven's sweet Holy Ghost 
Ghost and a member of the church of God. And sometimes they do a little dance and spin around and sit down. Well, I want to tell you today, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm saved to new life divine. My joy is much fuller since I'm saved, saved, saved. I want to tell you the devil wants us to get in a closet and hide away. But I'm telling you, it's time we come out of the closet one more time and say, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. What are you talking about? Saved. My burdened soul found liberty. What are you talking about? I'm saved from the fear of tomorrow. What are you talking about? I'm saved from the guilt of my past. What are you talking about? I'm saved from the condemnation and punishment of hell. Anybody glad you're saved today? You see, we've reached a place. I remember when I first got in the church of God. We sang, we had what's called a call-up choir. Anybody know what a call-up choir is? Come on, y'all come on. Y'all come on. Brother R.E. Melvin would say there's still a few good men back there. Y'all come on. Come on, Martha, you sing good alto. We're going to sing some alto. Get up here. I realize that's primitive. Let me tell you something we had in that dynamic, though. We had pilgrims singing about the joy of being saved. I've saw songbooks be the ends of them almost be knocked off. They'd clap so hard. I've saw convention books go flying up in the air when folks started shouting. Just shouting over the fact I once was lost, but now I'm found. I may never come back, but I gotta say this. I'm so tired of the church today thinking if somebody doesn't call come in and tell us what our address is. A psychic can do that, by the way. Hello? If they don't tell us our address and that we're going to be rich and wealthy and healthy, we can't shout. We can't worship. Whatever got wrong was shouting over the fact, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Whatever got wrong was shouting over he lifted me out of the deep, miry clay. And he planted my feet on the heavenly way. I'll tell it wherever I go because I want the whole world to know. I'm glad he loved me so. And he lifted me out. Well, he lifted me out of the deep, miry clay. Planted my feet on the heavenly way. Anybody saved today? If you are, give him praise for it. Last fall, I got an opportunity to go to East Laurenburg, North Carolina, and preach a revival. I'm supposed to go back again this fall. It was so good, I felt like just signing the check and handing it back to them. I didn't because I got a kid in college, but anyway, I felt like just paying them to let me come. I went, and it was a dynamic I had not seen probably in 25 or 30 years. They had a trained choir. That choir got up, and I'm sitting there on Sunday morning, and 
they don't know me, I don't know them. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm state overseer, I need to be, you know, dignified this morning. So I'm sitting there with my suit and tie on. And that little boy gets up to lead the choir. He's about as big around as a broom handle. And they started singing an old song. I mean, old from my childhood. It said, he wrote my name way up in glory. He saved my soul from sin and shame. I never shall forget the day the blessed Savior wrote my name. And then I saw something I hadn't seen in years. I look back in that choir and they get on that verse that said if I should live a thousand years upon this earth below I never will forget the day the blessed Savior wrote my name. And I saw men in their 20s and 30s men stood on the back row. I saw men tears just jetting down their cheeks. And I saw folks go to popping up in the audience without being told to and worshiping. And all of a sudden when the song ended, and I remember this well when I first got in Church of God, there was a roar of shouting and speaking in tongues just all over the building. And I wasn't a pastor, but I looked at that boy and said, sing it again, sing it again. They started singing it again. And all of a sudden, I forgot who I was positionally and started thinking about who I was relationally. He wrote my name way up in glory. And when I came to myself... I had danced all the way across the rostrum and was over by the organ speaking in tongues. And the place had gone ballistic. You know why? Somebody said that's pure emotionalism. Call it what you want. Call it what you want because I'll guarantee you some of you stomped your floor through when that boy threw that touchdown pass and Alabama beat Georgia in the lack. Call it what you want to. Call it what you want to. And I love the fact that Tui or whatever his name is was Holy Ghost filled and praying in tongues when he threw the pass. But can I tell you Tui's touchdown pass wasn't near as good as that night in 1976 when he wrote my name way up in glory. And he said, Anybody glad you're saved? Unique in person. Marvelous in his life. Superlative in his name. Saving in his mission. I got to quit. And united to his body. He said, I'm Jesus. Whom thou persecutest. Do you know every time the devil comes against you, he's coming against my Lord. 
You'll know why? Because we're in Christ and Christ is in us. I'm going to have to come back tonight and preach the second part. Lord, what will you have me to do? Saul got saved. He got saved. And he got full of the Holy Ghost. And he went into the city to the street called Straight. And he preached Christ that he is the Son of God. I'm closing. One night, a man came to the Isle of St. Vincent in the South Caribbean. He flirted with a young 14-year-old girl, took her somewhere, had a one-night stand. She conceived. He left the island never to come back. Her mother kicks her out. She's 14 years old, poor and pregnant. Listen to me. She went to the clinic to have an abortion and God said no. The baby that's in your womb is going to touch this world with my gospel. She went a second time to the clinic. God said it again. A third time she went with a determination and God said no. The baby will touch the earth. She had this little boy. At three years of age. He died from asthma. The Holy Ghost spoke to her and said. Take the baby. And dip him in the Caribbean Sea three times and he'll live. She wrapped his lifeless body up in a sheet and took him to the Caribbean Sea and dipped him three times. And the third time that baby came up alive. At 12 years of age, that boy got saved. At 14, he got filled with the Holy Ghost. His mama had a condition and she started dying. And God spoke to that 14-year-old boy and said, Lay your hand on your mama and I'll heal her. He laid his hands on her and God healed her. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. God called him to preach. And when he started preaching, Bob Carey took Ishmael Charles and took him around the world and he preached. And today Ishmael Charles, that 
that should have been aborted, that could have been aborted, is the Church of God field superintendent for the Caribbean islands, and he sits on the Council of 18. Can I tell you there's a God today, and he saves for a reason, and he heals for a reason. Stand all over the building. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, God, if there is one here that doesn't know you, this service is about them. They can be saved like the preacher. How many here today would say, Brother Box, I'm saved beyond any shadow of a doubt. Raise your hand. Come on, get your hand up. Quickly, put your hand down. You're here today and you'd say, I'm not saved. I need the Lord. May the Holy Spirit of God convict you. You're not saved today and you'd say, Brother Box, I need Jesus. Raise your hand anywhere in the building. Anywhere in the building. Anywhere in the building. You're here in this building and you need Jesus. I feel led to offer this invitation. You need Jesus to heal your body. Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Get it up high. Get it up high. Get it up high. Healing is the children's bread. Somebody shout amen. If you need healing, I want you to walk down here. Come on, pastor, come. If you need healing, come. Quick, quick, quick. If you need healing, come. Come on, quickly. I want everybody to look. I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to tell a quick testimony. And this wasn't something I read or saw on television. This was something that happened to me. A little over a month and a half ago, I was preaching in Dallas, North Carolina. There was a young girl there that night, emaciated. White as a sheet. She had a medical mask on. I thought, what's wrong with this girl? They sat way up in the balcony. Her mom brought her to the altar that night. Listen to this. Her mom said, Brother Box, we've driven three and a half hours one way to get here. My daughter's dying. We've sent her to Chapel Hill, and the doctors said there's nothing that can be done. Duke, nothing can be done. Said, my daughter has not swallowed in four years. She's lived off the droppings of an eyedropper and intravenous things. She's dying. It's over. She can't swallow. We prayed for that girl that night. If I had to meet God in judgment, this is what happened. We prayed for her. 
I saw faith begin to arise. And all of a sudden, the pastor looked at a bottle of water and ran and grabbed it. Now, I'm going to be honest. His faith was greater than mine. Because water's the easiest thing to get choked on. He put that bottle of water up to her and said, drink it. Drink it. Boy, I saw her fighting a battle of battles. She put that to her lips, Brother Chris. And that pastor looked at her and said, swallow it. She swallowed that first pot drop. And before service was over, she had drunk that bottle of water. My God, and she's healed. She's healed today. Put your hand on somebody's shoulder, and I want you to pray for them. We're going to walk down through here praying. Sing, Chad. Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you were blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at The Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at foresthillcog.org. Join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.